Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, on today's show, we're going to interview one of our attorneys, uh, Carol Lee, out of Wisconsin, uh, to talk about uh, some, some real important uh, litigation that we have ongoing there, uh, dealing with religious freedom and uh, the rights of individuals to have their conscience respected and not lose their job. Uh, but uh, this interesting is an interesting case matter that we're dealing with uh, in, in America today where we're talking about um, you know, freedoms and liberties being thrown out. I want to share with you just briefly what was just uh, came across uh, my desk just this morning. Uh, it's, it's a discovery that the Department of Justice is seeking new emergency powers amid coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and specifically, they, they're asking Congress to allow the department to petition a judge, any federal district judge anywhere, uh, to indefinitely detain someone during a, quote, emergency. This is uh, to indefinitely detain them without a trial uh, during emergencies, uh, to be able to thwart due process rights when it comes to the legal process, when it comes to uh, initial arrest, uh, pre-trial, post-trial, indefinitely, behind bars, arrested, no trial, nothing. Uh, and this is all, they say that they, they want to push this. Then uh, they want this attorney general to have this power to ask any judge to be able to pause any court proceedings, quote, whenever the district court is fully or partially closed by virtue of any natural disaster, civil disobedience, or other emergency situation, end quote. Uh, it's uh, very, very concerning. And uh, to, uh, I think it's, it's something that we need to be paying attention to. I know we at Pacific Justice Institute are um, definitely paying attention to it. Now, to talk about the terrible injustices happening in the state of Wisconsin, uh, we have with us here for the program, Carol Lee Ferraro. Carol uh, Lee, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you on our team. And uh, you head up our office uh, there in Wisconsin. And I know you've been very busy recently. Uh, as many of our attorneys have across the country in our many offices, uh, addressing injustices with regards to people uh, losing their jobs uh, because this, uh, their sincerely held religious beliefs and an employer that doesn't want to accommodate those sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, give us a background, if you will, on, on how are healthcare companies uh, able to mandate that the COVID-19 vaccine uh, you know, be, be given uh, even while there's still a stay on on OSHA, uh, the, you know the, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal put a stay on OSHA, which was going to require anyone with over 100 employees to have to be fully vaccinated. That a stay was put on that, but yet we still see uh, employers implementing these kinds of policies. How's that hap How's that happening? On November 5th, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services issued an interim rule that was well-planned and um, all of the private healthcare companies had noticed that this was going to happen. Um, and what it does is it requires all healthcare workers, whether they're patient-facing or not, whether they're vendors, suppliers, to be vaccinated. 
However, there is an, a clause in the rule that respects civil liberties um, and allows those with medical exemptions and religious exemptions to um, have an accommodation. Unfortunately, a lot of the employers um, here in Wisconsin and um, one major healthcare company nationwide is ignoring the accommodation by stating it's an undue hardship, um, even though the accommodation would be essentially what they have been doing the past uh, year and a half with the um, pandemic. Okay, using PPEs and testing. Okay, so this this is a real uh, problem uh, because uh, we have evidentiary wise, it's not even questionable whether or not these workers have been able to do their job. They've done their job. Uh, presumably very effectively. And they're being now told the, the company saying, well, they're an undue burden. Has, has anything happened uh, since uh, during this period of time when they were doing their job and now suddenly there's an undue burden? Is there any, any new factor that's come into play here? Uh, because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. Well, you know, and actually a lot has happened that would support a worker not having the vaccination, including uh, a lot of the workers had nat have natural immunity. Um, everyone I've spoken to had, who's a healthcare worker who has um, contracted COVID has done so in the social setting, not in the healthcare setting. And also we're finding out that these vaccines, the, um, the, the, effect the effectiveness of them is not long lasting. Um, while natural immunity seems to be stronger and lasts longer. Okay. Um, well, now are they, are they, treating people who've already had COVID, who have the, the broader, a deeper natural immunity, the same as those who are just not vaccinated? I mean, this, that's totally illogical that you would treat people who've had COVID, who have a broader, deeper immunity, who have no need for the vaccine, uh, the same as those who uh, haven't had the vaccine. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? That is correct. They are, they are not recognizing natural immunity and they're not recognizing the healthcare workers who worked throughout the pandemic safely and never got COVID. Yeah. So there, uh, so there's a there's a real problem here. I understand that ten states have filed a lawsuit last week, claiming that uh, the, uh, the the Center for Medical uh, Medicare and Medical Services um, is in violation of uh, of the, the, of states' rights. Uh, the Administrative Procedure Act and the Social Security Act by not giving uh, impacted facilities a chance to uh, comment on the rule before it took effect. Uh, that's sort of a, a separate challenge with regards to the, um, the, 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 the lack of recognition of uh, of proper process for adopting these kinds of rules. Uh, we're dealing here, I guess, with, you know, with, with a, a, a governmental entity effectively, aren't we? That's correct. And um, the CMS is claiming it has the authority through the supremacy clause. And they're also stating that um, they had to ignore the, the comment and rule, um, the comment section, because they had good cause because this is an emergency. But that is exactly what OSHA argued when the Fifth Circuit said, if this is such an emergency, why are you waiting until January 4th? Right. And, uh, and they were called out on that. And in fact, the Fifth Circuit if, when you look at what they wrote, I mean, they didn't, this wasn't like, golly gee, we're not, you know, this is really tough for us to call without to give this stay. I mean, no, they were very vehement on this is as a, as an abuse of discretion of authority of, of, of legal standing for uh, OSHA to do that for the Biden administration to be that controlling upon 
companies all across America and their employees losing their jobs. Uh, I think that uh, it, I see the same error here as well from uh, this, this government agency. It seems that we have more of a need to fight against government tyranny now, Carol Lee, I think, than ever before, at least in my lifetime. Uh, and I'm glad we're doing it. Now, how are religious liberties protected in the workplace? So the average person out there may not understand uh, understand this, uh, how this actually plays in statutorily. Um, what, what's it based on? Well, there's Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, and then most states have anti-discriminatory laws. So in Wisconsin, we have the Wisconsin Fair Employment Act, which was actually enacted in 1945, about 20 years before the Civil Rights Act. Um, employers have a duty to accommodate religious accommodation, to give a religious accommodation for those who request it, provided that it's not an undue hardship on the employer. So what the healthcare companies, again, are saying that we're not going to accommodate you because it's just too much of an undue hardship to protect you against COVID or protect others against COVID when the vaccinated shed the virus just and maybe not as much or maybe in a different amount, but they all shed the virus. So whether you're vaccinated or not, it really doesn't make a difference. The vaccination protects you or should protect you. Uh, but now we're finding out that you have to have a booster every six months. Yeah. And that those boosters are indefinite potentially. So people either get COVID and get the immunities. And I'm not encouraging anyone to, to get COVID. Okay. <laughs> so um, because it can have very serious, even fatal ramifications we've seen. Uh, but people who actually have the natural immunity, I mean, that's, that's supposed to be strong and lasting. The, 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 the latest study I saw was they tested it after one year, every single person after one year of having COVID in the, in, the, in the study had a strong, deep, broad immunity versus the vaccine where I know one study said after five months, the Pfizer vaccine is, has only 47% efficacy. That's it. And then you got to get a booster and another booster. Uh, so it's uh, it's very illogical. Uh, and I think that the, many of the American people see that as such. I just wish that one doctor or Fauci uh, could uh, have the common sense to see it as well. Uh, what is an example of a case? I know we have lots of cases, but I want to talk about some specifics here. What's an example of a case you have pending in Wisconsin regarding uh, this basic fundamental uh, civil liberties issue? Well, you're right. We do have cases statewide and it's hitting Wisconsin hard. Um, walking into this mandate, the healthcare industry had been losing people um, um, due to pure fatigue from the pandemic and also, you know, early retirements. Um, and so now we have um, healthcare workers who are willing and able and wanting to do the job being forced out. And I have Two individuals who are, you know, their lifelong dream was to become anesthesiologists. And they're at the Medical College of Wisconsin. They are employed by an organization called the Medical College of Wisconsin Affiliated Hospital. So they work in other hospitals and get paid by this organization, MECWA. Um, they were, it was mandated in August that they get the vaccination. One works success successfully throughout the COVID um, pandemic and never, never got COVID. The other has natural immunity. And they were told that they had the vaccination. They're both lifelong Catholics. One stated that it's sanctity of life. Um, they all have some sort of connection to fetal cell, aborted fetal cells, the, the vaccinations. The other um, stated sanctity of conscience and integrity of body. 
and they were told by the Associate General of Mc that they stated they did not state any religious belief that had any objection to the vaccine, and they were summarily terminated on November 16th. Yeah, so they claim there was no legitimate religious uh, claim here. Um, I understand that the the attorney uh, representing them uh, had some uh, pretty outrageous uh, claims uh, that they in in, the, in their their findings. They said that uh, quote they said that uh, neither residents articulate a religion that conflicts with vaccination. So it's it's like they're saying you have to have a specific religious denomination with a specific doctrine uh you you can't just have your own personal religious beliefs but that's not that's not what title 7 says it doesn't say you have to be a part of a certain denomination with a certain organized structure and doctrine in order to have protection does it no it's it's supposed to be well what what this associate general uh, general counsel did is she basically told these two that they weren't catholic enough and she schooled them on how to be catholic and we don't know what her faith is, nor do we know who the committee who denied them the religious exemption, what any of their faiths are. We don't even know what their names are, who they are. Um, and so the the law is when a, an employee states, I have a sincerely held religious belief and that is in conflict with this practice of the employer and I'm asking for an accommodation, the inquiry stops there. But yeah. they went on, Nikwa went on to tell them that they basically are not Catholic enough. They're, they're not. Yeah, they, they said that the Catholics, quote, have, a, have an obligation to get the vaccine by the Pope's statement. But I've talked with Catholics before. They say that, well, the Pope thought it was a good thing, but it didn't mandate Catholics to have it. In fact, it actually advises uh, Catholics need to follow their own conscience. In fact, the catechisms which are above the Pope. I mean, the Pope can't just change catechisms. Uh, that the doctrine of the catechisms make it very clear that uh, that there is a that Catholics individuals must follow their conscience. Uh, otherwise, it's a sin, and that that's a, a much more fundamental, basic uh, principle of Catholicism. Now, I'm I'm not Catholic myself, but my uh, Catholic friend, who's very Catholic, explained it to me, and he put that in his personal request for religious exemption. So I just see sort of a cold hearted uh, attitude saying, well, we're just going to assume the Pope has, is if he, if he says something that's automatic church doctrine and trumps anything in the catechism and the teachings of the canon and the canons of the church, I see that as very problematic. They also said that the sanctity of body is not a protected belief system. So, the clients talked about what the scripture says about the body being the Lord's temple, right? I mean, wasn't that a part of the argument? Absolutely. And then just to go further on what you just said, I am Catholic. And St. Paul stated it. It's not ecclesiastic authority in your belief system. It's what's written in your heart. Um, and the Wisconsin Conference of Bishops, including Archbishop Lestecki, signed a statement on August 20th that stated it is immoral to force someone to get a vaccine against their conscience. Right. Yeah. So, so and, and yes, and sanctity of body is absolutely, it's a belief system found in many religions across the world, including Catholicism. Yeah. It's, it, it makes total sense. Uh, and recognizing your body is the Lord's temple. Uh, it's not just a massive organic matter. Um, we're to, to care for it. 
uh, to appreciate it and uh, to understand it as a, a place that God occupies from a Christian perspective when we uh, receive Jesus uh, Christ as our Lord and Savior. So, and that's scriptural, and they cited scripture. And then uh, I know we at Pacific Justice Institute have encouraged people when they're filling out a religious exemption request, cite the scripture, uh, cite the doctrine. If you And if you have church doctrine, you can cite that, the cite scripture. Uh, and uh, And yet this is being thrown aside. Also, they said sanctity of life is a, quote, self-serving, uh, conclusory objection. How can they say sanctity of life is self-serving? Um, caring about the unborn and the atrocities to the unborn and their misusage of their 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 murdered preborn bodies for purposes of uh, of other for other purposes. I can see that as not as self-serving. I see that as very compassionate and caring uh, for others being massively wiped out at, at genocide style uh, over the last uh, 50 years in the United States. Right. And the convictions of this resident who made that statement on his request for religious accommodation was so strong that his residency was terminated because of it. Wow. So these two anesthesiologists, um, they've been fired from their job. Um, I think this is outrageous, obviously. Uh, as far as the process goes, uh, there's, I understand uh, that uh, both residents received the same denial uh, and that they no more, there was no information as to why, uh, other than that they did quote unquote, did not meet the quote criteria. That's it. Um, and that was from the, uh, the exemption committee that where that came down from. Uh, and then there was no appeal available. This is September 15th said that decisions on religious exemption requests are final end quote. Um, isn't there supposed to be an opportunity for, for appeal, for review to, sit down and discuss potential viable accommodations? There is. And one should also know who their judges are on their faith. Who their judges are. Right. Because they don't, they never stated who's on the committee. So we don't know if they're non-believers, anti-Catholics, anti-Christians. We don't know. Right. Right. And then we had the associate general counsel give those, just discarding of their their beliefs. We just talked about that. And then on September 30th, it said that the residents uh, paged into meetings uh, about their mental health. Uh, please tell me this isn't what I think it is, that they were examined or suspected for having mental, mental illnesses uh, because they had religious beliefs. What it was, was they, Mikwa was realizing and their supervisors were realizing the convictions of these residents. And so they pulled them into a meeting and they asked them about the stress of not getting the vaccine, the stress about losing their residencies. And then they asked them how their mental health was. Interesting. So on one hand, they deny that there's any sincere religious beliefs at all. Then they flip it and then they're questioning whether or not they're mentally ill, presumably because they have such sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, I, I see this as real problematic when anyone laying a claim for religious exemption is in any way scrutinized for presumably being uh, mentally ill because of their religious beliefs that they're asserting. And that's a, a, effectively, that's what I think, that's it, it, sort of what 
I, I see is taking place here. Yeah, they're not towing the line. Yeah. But they're in yeah, this that's uh gosh, that's outrageous. Uh now we received a letter from on October 13th from their associate general counsel stating that the residents will be considered, quote, resigned if they do not get vaccinated. How does that work? I mean, resigned is something that you choose to do. Um, so they're trying to treat them as if they're not fired, even though they are fired, they're gonna call them resigned. That's something we've seen a lot of in Wisconsin. There's another large healthcare company in Wisconsin called Ascension. It's, it's a, the second largest healthcare company across the country. I think most of it's um, east of the Mississippi, but all the Ascension workers, in order to submit their religious accommodation requests electronically, they had to click a box that said, I understand it if, and this is while they're submitting it, if I, if my religious accommodation is not accepted, I understand it will be a voluntary resignation if I do not get the vaccine. Right. I know what we've advised people to do if they're filling out a standardized form like that is in one of those boxes where they're talking about their faith and what whatnot, they should state in there, say, uh, contrary to the language at the bottom of this form, comma, um, I even if this is rejected, I will not resign. I will intend to keep my job here and and will and um, period. I mean, make it very, very clear in their own writing so that uh, it can't be they can't say, oh, you you sign this this form. Oftentimes it's on the computer. They don't have any they can't just del delete it or cross it out even if it's on the computer. Uh, so I, I know we're advising people. Why is that important that they not be considered resigned? Can that impact their, for example, their unemployment benefits? It can impact their unemployment benefits. Um, I think it was also a way to get around um, some discrimination laws because you have to show an adverse employment event. And so if they're stating that you've resigned when you haven't, it's actually a constructive discharge that the employer made it so unbearable for you to stay in your job or impossible for us to stay in your job that you are essentially fired. Yeah, but they have to, the, 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 uh, the, the employee who's been fired effectively has to prove that their quote, voluntary resignation was really not a voluntary resignation. It was really a, a firing. It's just another hurdle for them to have to overcome uh, in, either, in a wrongful termination case or or others uh, legal matter involving this 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 issue this, these issues, uh, so I think it's uh, I think it's pretty dastardly that they do this that the employer does this. They know they're firing them. Call it what it is. Uh, don't try to put a bow on a, on you know on a, a lipstick on a pig here. Uh, this is uh, this is what it is. It's a termination. It's a firing, and uh, I think it's very unethical. Uh, for the MC uh, WAH uh, to to be doing this, so uh, there was a TR. Um, then okay, then we filed for a temporary straining order, and on on October 29th, uh, and it was denied. But in the interim, uh, this entity, this Medical College of Wisconsin affiliate hospitals, uh, ch decided to change the status from resign to temporary administrative leave. Why is that significant? When you, when you file for a temporary restraining order, you have to show that there's some irreparable harm where there isn't a legal remedy um, to make the person whole or to resolve the harm. So if they're on temporary administrative leave, there's no harm. And we saw the same thing with this pension. Um, just before all the employees were um, let go on the, November 12th, 
Ascension had been telling them that this is going to be a voluntary resignation. And then all of a sudden they said, no, you're not, it's not a resignation. Now you're suspended until January 4th. So we know what to do, basically. Right. And they're not being. Well, now you're, uh, we're continuing with litigation. All right. We're, I mean, we're representing these two anesthesiologists. Um, you know, this is, is terrible. They were terminated. They were actually fired finally, I guess, on November 16th, not that long ago. Uh, last week, I guess. Uh, this is this is tragic, and uh, we're representing them. And of course, we're representing many more uh, employees who are being fired, purged because of their faith, their strong uh, religious beliefs with regards to these vaccine mandates. All across the United States, we're taking on these cases. Uh, you know, I, I I'm just really disappointed to see uh, this kind of action involving uh, an entity that is supposed to be public service related. Uh, they don't have an overabundance of anesthesiologists, do they? It, it, there's actually no, a, a shortage, isn't there? Right. There's actually, um, they've been hiring a lot of locum anesthesiologists. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more, pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, there you have it. It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brian Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.